Today we're going to look at Psalm 4. This psalm was written by King David during the time of calamity or distress. The psalm that was read, part of the lectionary reading for today. The title of my message is God Hears. God Hears. Verse 3 reads, Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. It can also be stated as to know for certain or to know for sure that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So know for certain. One of the commentators say to be assured of the truth. To be assured of the truth that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant. This certain knowledge this assurance, this truth has to be guarded. But guarded against what? Guarded against what? Guarded against doubt. This assurance has to be guarded against doubt. In Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we read of the creation of the heavens and the earth, and on the earth, the Garden of Eden. Then he made man and woman, and asked them to work and take care of the garden. Two people to take care of the garden. The garden had many kinds of fruits, pleasing, delicious to the eyes, and good for food. There in the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, amongst many other trees. The Lord commanded man to freely eat of any tree in the garden, but not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Plenty of choice, except one. Chapter 3 of Genesis opens with the question. Chapter 3 of Genesis opens with the question. Did God really say... This was uttered by the crafty serpent Satan to Eve. Did God really say? Thus a seed of doubt was cast in the mind of Eve regarding the credibility of what God said. A seed of doubt into Eve's mind was planted regarding the credibility of what God said. Did God really say it? Then Satan, the father of lies, as it says in John 8, waters that seed of doubt with a lie. Very interesting. Go home and read it. He waters that seed with a lie. You will not surely die. He plants the seed and then he waters it with a lie. You will not surely die. This was followed by the act of maligning the meaning of God's purpose with the statement, for God knows if you eat it, you will be like him. So he's keeping something good from you. Plants the seed of doubt, waters it with the lies, and then 
maligns the meaning of God's purpose. In other words, God does not have your best interest in his heart. That's what Satan was trying to tell Eve. God does not have your best interest at his heart. This doubt began to take root in the mind of Eve, causing her to disbelieve and disobey God's word to her. Ever since the fall, doubt is very much a part of who we are as human beings, just as fear is. When we decide to feed and nourish doubt in our minds by constantly questioning the credibility of God's word and meaning of God's purpose in an unhealthy and unhelpful manner, we begin to slide down the path of doubt to disbelief. When we permit doubt to take root and dominate our minds, we'll, it'll begin to corrode our minds regarding our sanctification, being set apart. That is what the verse says. Know that the Lord has set apart. Know that with all assurance, because that is going to be attacked with doubt. Guard that, because if that is attacked, then your sanctification is in question, and then your communion with God is in question. Everything falls apart. It's powerful, is it not? If we permit doubt, it will begin to corrode our minds regarding our sanctification that is being set apart for God, and our communion with God, that the assurance that the Lord hears us when we call. So fellowship or communion and sanctification gets affected or corroded because doubt is highly corrosive. Doubt is highly corrosive. However, when we guard against doubt, we will truly appreciate the fact that we are set apart for His purpose and He hears us when we call. It is during times of trauma loss, uncertainty, that we feel the constant attack of doubt on our minds. Don't you agree? When everything is going good, hallelujah, praise God. God's good. All the time, God's good. But when we struggle with loss, as some of us in our midst are, when we struggle with uncertainty, when we struggle with trauma, that is when doubt tends to creep in. Some years ago, a person who was fighting cancer came to me and shared with me a verse which he said the Lord had given him. It was from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. This is what he told me. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. He asked me if this meant that the Lord would heal him so that he can comfort others in their troubles? That was his question. 
I told him I did not know. But I really hoped and prayed that God would honor his word and heal him. It was as if God had given that person something to hold on to. And I wanted it so much to come to pass. So much. But that was not the case. He died. I felt that God did not honor his word to that man or hear his prayer or for that matter, mine too. I felt terribly let down by God and began to doubt the credibility of his word and the meaning of God's purposes because that was my dad. Job in the Bible did not find out the meaning of his suffering. The why, Job never found out. The why, he never understood. God chose not to reveal that to Job. But Job decided to trust in God and made one of the most profound declarations of faith. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I, will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I too have not received the why of my dad's death. Probably never will. Probably never will. But I have to decide whether I want to spend the rest of my life questioning the credibility of God's word and find out the meaning of God's purpose of taking my dad when he held on to that scripture for his dear life. Or move forward, feeding my faith, knowing that his words are flawless, are credible. Trusting in the goodness and the righteousness of God and fellowshipping with his saints. That's for me to decide. Do I doubt and slide down the path to disbelief? Or do I guard and know that? that the Lord has set apart his saints. And when we cry out to him, he does hear us always. Alistair McGrath, professor of theology at the University of Oxford says, that doubt is not unbelief. Okay, Doubt is not unbelief. We all have it. But it can become unbelief as we become preoccupied with our doubts, looking inward and thus failing to look outward and away from ourselves and toward the promises of God, confirmed and sealed through the death and resurrection of Christ. My friends, know this for a fact. This is a fact, no matter what happens around us. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Know this for a fact. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, 
and his ears are attentive to their cry. The Lord always hears his children, but his answers may not be what we expect. Don't you agree? His answers may not be what we expect, but the Lord always hears us. The psalmist identifies three areas in the psalm, chapter 4, as you go back home and read it. The psalmist identifies three areas we can call out to God to hear and help us. Three. We're going to quickly look at that. The first one, it's found in verse 1. Relief from storms. Answer me when I call to you. O God who declares me innocent, free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. In other words, he's calling out to God. Hear me, God. Give me relief from my troubles. Give me relief from my distress. Oftentimes, our prayers... It could be relief from troubles at work. It could be relief from troubles in the family. It could be relief from troubles neighbor. It could be anything. Oh Lord, give me relief from my troubles. Relief from storms. The second one, he cries out to God for him to hear. Restoration of self. Restoration of self. Healing of self. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. Let your face smile on us, Lord. Restoration of self, healing. Know that the Lord hears your cry for help. The third one is revival of spirit. Our spirit. Revival of our spirit. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests of grain and new wine. It's not happiness because we have resources. It is joy because we have the Lord. And not based on resources. Revival of our spirit. So three things the psalmist cries out to God. Relief, relief from storms, restoration of self, and revival of spirit. The first two, all of us pray very fervently for. Don't you agree? Lord, relieve me from my troubles. Restore myself. Heal me. The first two, we all pray for, including myself. But as I was preparing this message, as it came these points came to me as I was meditating and praying. I knew the Lord wanted us to focus on the third one, revival of spirit, which is oftentimes overlooked. So let's look at that, revival of spirit. I was looking at the Bible League website. Have you heard of Bible League? I'm not advertising for them, but check it out. I was looking at the Bible League website and noticed that they have a page that reads. They have a page that reads, so, Canada, colon, setting the groundwork for a powerful revival. I'll repeat that again. Canada, colon, setting the groundwork for a powerful revival. When I saw that, my heart leaped. 
my heart leaped. Because the Lord has been impressing upon my heart about the theme of revival for quite some time. And I didn't know Bible League had it. I kind of felt the nudging in my spirit just to go and check it out. Checked it out, and that's the first page that pops up. Hallelujah. God's got a purpose here somehow. I don't need to make meaning of it, because that's not my calling. We just heard it. I don't need to question the credibility. I don't need to make meaning of his purposes. I just need to be assured, know that. I was excited to see that I believe, as I believe the Lord is going to bring about a revival. And Elam Chapel and his members are going, are going to be a part of it. I believe that. I'm going to repeat that. I believe the Lord is going to bring about a revival. And Elam Chapel and his members are going to have a part in it. Hallelujah. Whew, all right. You're going to have a part in it. Don't ask me how or when. I have no idea. But know that. Know that. The Lord has been impressing the theme of revival in my heart for some time now, and I believe the Lord has been doing the same with others too in our congregation. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. If the Lord has done that in my heart, I'm sure the Lord is doing the same with some of you in our midst. You're not an anomaly. You're not a pathology. You're normal. The Lord is moving in our midst. As I was praying about it, this theme of revival, revival of the Spirit, the Bible passage that the Lord brought to my mind was from 1 Kings 18 41 to 44. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And the servant went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant replied, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. It gives me goosebumps. I don't know about you. A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Seven times Elijah sent him back. Because Elijah knew that. Didn't question the credibility of God's word did not question or try to find out the meaning of God's purposes. But he knew that. So he kept sending his servant back. Go back. Go back. And the God says to the church, the members at Elam Chapel, revival is coming. Don't see it, Bobby. Go back. Don't see it, Bobby. Doesn't have to be me. It could be any one of you. I could tell it to my wife, hey, Rachel, I don't see it. She could probably tell me, go back. <laughs> go back. Go back. Stay praying because revival is coming. Don't ask me how, what it looks like. 
I have no idea. I have no idea. So let us continue to pray. The Lord hears us, assured of the fact that the Lord hears us, and will give his children relief from storms, restoration of self, and revival of spirit. The revival will, this revival will break forth from within the individual. Always from within the individual. And into the church, to the community, and the nation. Let us pray and observe. That is my encourage, encouragement to each one of us. Let us pray and observe. Let us not run ahead, but let us pray and observe. For I believe and proclaim that we will see the cloud of revival rising in our midst. Amen? Hallelujah. As I read the next two slides... Please stand and pray this prayer out loud with me. We have two more slides, and those two slides contain a prayer. I would request each of you to stand and pray this prayer out loud with me. Feel free to lift your hands. Okay, feel free. I'm not forcing you. Feel free to lift your hands as the Lord leads. Because you're lifting your hands to God and pray this prayer. I request the music team to come forward to be ready to lead us in the response song after the prayer. So we guard against doubt because we want the assurance that we know that God hears our prayers. Doubt is corrosive. It can corrode our understanding of sanctification and communion with God. When we guard against doubt, know that He hears your cry for relief from storms, for restoration of self, and revival of spirit. And Elam Chapel, revival is coming. Let us pray that it would begin with each one of us, spread to the church, to the members of the church, not be confined within the walls of Elam Chapel, but will spread out to the community and to the nation. And Elam Chapel and its members will have a part in it because we'll be praying for revival in the spirit. In addition to praying for relief from storms and praying for restoration of self. Let's together say this out loud. Father God, I confess I have doubts. You know the nature, extent, and the intensity of each in my life. Please forgive me and help me move forward as I put my trust in you and in your word. I reject the lies of Satan and receive the promises of God upon my life today. Thank you that you hear me as I pray, for I stand before you in the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are bringing relief from my storms, restoration of myself, and revival of my spirit. 
I want to be a part of the revival you are going to bring about in this nation. Thank you for hearing, for I ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.